Hey, Dame. What's good? You know, I was curious. We've been home for a minute now recording remotely. And, you know, I just feel like I've had so much more time on my hands. I've been listening to more music, watching more shows, engaging with more podcasts. And I was curious, have you listened to any podcasts recently? Nope. Still no. I, I make this and I watch things and I love all you podcast listeners because you make this work possible. <laughs> but all you other podcasters, don't ask me. I have not heard your podcast. I'm really sorry. It is no hard feelings. I don't listen to my own. <laughs> if you were... If I were though, to a podcast. I know where I would go. Where would you go? I'm going to check out Overcast. Overcast is an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Yeah, I love independence. I love free things. This sounds like where I'm going to have to go uh, step into this game of podcast listening podcast for the people get it for free on the app store oh cool it looks like we are live on this saturday afternoon welcome 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 to defund cpd spills the tea we are here on this Saturday in these digital streets in this pandemic apocalypse that we are living through uh, to talk about what's going on in our city, to talk about what's going on with our political establishment. Uh, but more importantly, I think to, to name what's going on with our people, what our people are demanding, what the future we want and the work that folks are doing. Uh, this has been for all of us, obviously, 2020 uh, has been a historic year that we've been learning. For, but for myself personally, uh, these last six months, coming out of uprising, the emergence of this formal defund CPD campaign, being able to see in real time the ways in which the halls and power maneuver, maneuver and operate, the ways in which legislators and city council and these lobbies and all these political actors that have basically been like controlling our landscape and controlling our lives, uh, we are now showing up in a different way. And we don't want to just be like, harbors of this experience and of this knowledge. Uh, we want to make sure that our community knows what's happening. And obviously, uh, we are advocating for and speaking on behalf of a lot of communal work. Um, and so doing that requires some transparency, some engagement, some political education. And so that's what we're here to do this morning, afternoon. So welcome to everybody who's spending time on this Facebook Live or in your Zoom streams or wherever you're at. Uh, my name is Damon Williams. I'm with the Defund CPD campaign. I'm with the Steering Committee and the Black Abolitionist Network. I'm also part of the Let Us Breathe Collective. Shout out Chicago Torture Justice Center. Shout out R3 Coalition. Shout out shout out everybody that's with the, with the stuff. So I don't know if we're going to be bad kids and curse on here. So I'm going to try to uh, be a little bit more considerate with my language. Uh, but thank you to everybody uh, who's with the stuffs, uh, who's been on the freedom side. And this is a conversation between us and with y'all. Um, so with that being started, I'm going to bring up my co-host, co-facilitator, just to give us a little bit of overview. Uh, everybody welcome Kennedy Bartley to the stage. Burr, 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 burr. Kennedy uh, is one of the most brilliant, but also coolest uh, people out in these political streets. Uh, and so I've really enjoyed this year allowing us to be able to strengthen our relationship. Uh, so, so Kennedy, how you doing? How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Thank you for that uh, that uh, beautiful opening, Damon. Uh, yeah, my name is Kennedy Bartley, Legislative Director of uh, United Working Families, and I sit on the steering committee of the Defund campaign. Um, so I think it would be helpful to just kind of like root us in a, a good overview of what's been going on uh, 
this budget season and as of late, uh, since the last time Damon and I chopped it up with y'all, um, a lot of things have happened. Um, so, you know, folks have probably caught like the, the clickbaity headlines of the mayor threatening uh, Black caucus members um, saying that, you know, if, if they don't vote for her budget, um, uh, she would effectively leave them out of all, all capital plans. Um, and, you know, that's like just a, a wild move for for particularly a, a Black woman in power to um, essentially extort her way to passing her budget um, by way of stripping um, the most harmed, uh, the most under-resourced communities even further um, and playing political chess with our people, essentially. Um, the mayor also made uh, another another bold move uh, in attempting to include the uh, long fought for welcoming city ordinance into the budget um, since she has separated it um, after you know the the tireless work of uh, the immigration working group in fighting her on um, separating the two um, and taking the bold stance and saying that our prolonged and protracted struggle for immigrant rights and protections shouldn't be uh, used in this political chess game. Um, at this point, you know, we know that the budget vote will take place on Monday the 23rd. Um, and at some point we will plug uh, a vote no action that uh, GC is hosting that should be in the F Facebook uh, chat. Um, but, you know, we, we are expecting for this um, anti-Black and racist pro-cop budget to pass, unfortunately. However, you know, given the, the work that we've been doing in these streets or in these virtual streets, as Damon puts it, um, you know, I am I'm hopeful that we will see um, a historic amount of no votes uh, against this budget. But, um, you know, I think it's important that we highlight that. In this year, where 87% of Chicagoans, over 30,000 of us, expressed um, outright that we wanted to uh, defund the police and fund social services, um, the mayor has made a move that resulted in the police's share of the corporate fund from 37% last year to 39% this year. So I just want folks to be clear when we're hearing that the police's budget was decreased by almost $18 million, like that that doesn't tell the full story. And I think that narratives are important and um, us putting a narrative to the numbers are important. Um, and so once again, this year, we are seeing effectively an increase to the police's share of the corporate fund. Um, this is a budget that we had to fight tooth and nail uh, with to get any type of real um, funding for uh, mental health um, protections. And even still in a game of political chess, the mayor has um, bought some votes by giving um, older people crumbs um, in, in response to, you know, these cries for a treatment, not trauma order that would divert funds from the CPD to CDPH um, so that mental health professionals unarmed would be um, responding to mental health crises. Uh, the mayor has decided to budget a million dollars to be split between a, a lethal response model that is a response model that includes social workers and armed police officers. And we know what happens when armed police officers show up to mental health crises. Um, it results in, you know, 
folks being shot and killed, people experiencing mental health crises are 16 times more likely to be shot and killed by a police officer. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the mayor has essentially slapped the movement in the face and saying, you know, you all have demanded $5 million to uh, fund a pilot model to see what, you know, to, to see the uh, efficacy of treatment, not trauma. Um, and, and that's just not what, what's happening. And so I just wanted to be clear if there are any, um, any, any things flying around that, that gets at the fact that the mayor met the demands of the streets. She hasn't, she's fallen way short. Treatment, not trauma is being set up to fail. Um, the police are getting more money and our communities are still being under-resourced. So thank you for that overview, Kennedy. Uh, if folks want a little bit more of an in-depth talk, uh, Kennedy and I had a conversation on Instagram about a week or so ago. So go to Defund CPD Shy. You go to our IGTV if you really want to like understand the budget and some of this language uh, that's new to so many of us. We did a, a really good job of like really trying to explain this to folks. So that's still up and available. Um, so just a few recaps, right? Uh, as of this summer, there was a communal demand to defund the Chicago Police Department by 75% uh, with a few specific ways in which we can oppose violent policing and take power and resources away from this historically racist, torturous, murderous institution. Um, and the mayor says, as long as she's the mayor, nothing close to that will happen. Um, we, we also are now uh, in a time where we have some, some more tangible proposals, so a treatment, not trauma ordinance, also closing Home and Square, a, a, a black site where thousands of cases of illegal detention and torture have happened, and also some things around progressive uh, uh, taxation or progressive revenue to make sure that our budget is not being balanced off the backs of our communities, off working people, off poor people. Uh, and so that's where we're at right now. Uh, and one thing that I think is important to note uh, is that like as a movement, uh, they're, they're, we are certainly in opposition to Lori Lightfoot, right? Um, she, she raised her political platform or political career based off opposing us, uh, based off uh, uh, rejecting and denying and keeping off the demands of folks advocating for Rakia Boyd's family and against the officer Dante Servin that killed her. That is, that is her origin into the popular political arena. Um, and she has continued an oppositional and what we use the language anti-Black position in the office. So there's a little bit of a balance, right? Because it's actually not about her. Like hashtag Lori's a goofy. She's super whack. We don't like her. She triggers us in some ways. Uh, but it's important to note that this is about Black people. This is about creating a better world for our city and for, for our society. Um, and that means transferring away from policing. And our mayor has been in the the the, been in opposition to that, but every mayor has been in opposition to that since Chicago Police Department has, has been in existence. Um, so she's whack and she's on the other side, but we have to make sure that we understand that this is about our people and we're using this time and her actions to learn about how we grow our movement and what our people need. So a couple of things for folks watching on Facebook to do real quick. We want to make sure we got some community going. So we want to roll call in the comments. So say what's up and say what ward you're in. Um, and you may not even know what ward you're in, which is a little bit of political education. So you can go to the next tab if you're looking on Facebook and Google my address. What ward am I in? Uh, and figure that out and throw that in the comment. And we can get some understanding of how where, where folks are checking in from. And if we can use this conversation to actually build some power and strengthen our base. So do that real quick. And you might be surprised because our wards are gerrymandered. Folks, most folks don't like recognize that. Um, and they are designed in a way that actually separates community power. Uh, so figure out where you at and who your people are. 
All right. Thanks, Kennedy, for, for setting us up of what's going down. We're going to pass through this conversation. We got some beautiful faces in the Zoom room, some people I'm really excited about. Uh, but we're going to start on the ground uh, and we're going to start with, with uh, the young people, younger than me. They, they, they're like in this range, right? I still feel like I'm young, but now my beard's getting straggly. So I got to like stop trying to claim the, the, <laughs> the youth tag. Uh, so some real, some real youngins, uh, but, but are, are titans in this work. So we definitely don't want to use youth as a way to disrespect it, as a way to affirm the power that they are building. Um, so this year, uh, Good Kids Mad City has emerged um, as one of the leaders of communal outreach, of direct action, of a young Black-led voice. We have two organizers from Good Kids Mad City who I admire and respect greatly, who have been you know, sacrificing all year to make sure that our movement is, is, is loud as it needs to be and is reaching folks who oftentimes our movements miss. Uh, so shout out and welcome everybody, Alicia and Jalen from Good Kids Mad City. Burr, 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 burr. Uh, what's up? What's up? Y'all looking, like I said before we checked in, y'all looking real cute over there. So I'm grateful for having y'all here. There's really two things in this first check-in before we get into a larger conversation uh, that I want y'all to like kind of update folks on. I'm sure folks who are watching have been seeing those letters, GKMC all year for a couple years now. So folks may have some familiarity, uh, but one thing y'all are really advocating for is this peace book ordinance, which is under the, the this framework of how we need to transform our society of taking resources away from policing into needed communal resources. Could you tell us a little bit, one, about the Peace Book? But I think I'm really interested also in learning how your work helped y'all come up with this as a potential solution or something y'all are proposing. Yeah, of course. So the Peace Book Ordinance is pretty much like a simple kind of breakdown without going into too many like long, drashed out details. We really just want to take 2% of CPD's budget, so $35.4 million, and would quite literally just reinvest it back into the south and west sides so we'd be paying people who are like community leaders respected known people in communities because obviously if you want to work on de-escalation tactics it's better to see it from somebody that you see every day instead of like a police officer coming from like the suburbs trying to like police you and target you so we want to pay people who are in the communities we want to give money for like art resources mural resources paying people for stuff like that just completely 100 resourcing even within the budget we also wanted to allocate funds to like organizations that we know also 100,000 100,000 to like <laughs> 100,000 non-renewable grant like you got it like we know that y'all doing the work and that's the thing like you got it but know that like, no, like everybody that. is thought of in this peace book and that's why we have to we we're so glad to have this platform to talk. and also just like removing and like removing the idea of needing like outside people and like really focusing and like loving on the communities that we come from, the communities that we're helping people come from. We've been doing a lot of work on like 51st near Boxville in particular, just giving out like free food every Thursday, just like resourcing around that. So the Peace Book Ordinance would pretty much just be a way of one showing a way of like, we do not need police. We literally keep each other safe. We did an action on Halloween on 53rd and High Park where we just stayed out. We did like a block party. We passed out food and resources and we did a call the next day and it was like no cases, like nothing happened. If anything, it was the police who was doing more stuff, but like no interactions with people. Like we de-escalated a lot of situations. We de-arrested a lot of people. So like a perfect example of like the peace book ordinance in action of like, if you put money into the people who know the community, who live in the community, it's, safety, like security, all that's going to come out of it. So that's really what we're 
putting out with the peace through ordinance, just talking to people, getting other organizations kind of like sign on and support it. So like having conversations like this and letting y'all know what that is. And that's pretty much like what the work and Jalen's been working like more closely on like the peace book. So you, if you want to give- I mean, I want to more that, you know, cause Alicia put this all together. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, Alicia put it together. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, we've been basically, um, just just legitimizing the idea that we deserve as black and indigenous people and black people specifically um and i'm imagination that is not limited to capitalism that's not limited to police but also like our body our like imagination also has to come from the the hoods that we come from right so as somebody who's not from bronzeville i had to be blessed and to come in to work in bronzeville right the people who we working with this 17 18 year olds i look at them like the leaders because they are the leaders so i come in and i'm asking them hey is it cool if i'm right because that's how we, you know, as as a peace book you move, but more externally, it's really just a template. Like Alicia said, you know, there are so many people, we, we just met with uh, Lori's public safety team. They get all the money to the office and then they don't see nothing in the community. There's no community centers. There's no additions to the community organizations that are already working. There's no addition. There's no additional workers or incentivizing of work, right? Y'all want to pay outreach workers like $40,000 a year, we're talking about hundreds of thousands. We're talking about because we know it's hard work because we walk up 51st every day. And when we leave, people get shot. When we go to, I had to take up a couple shifts with my friend, Leah at the uh, Synergy Apples, because I had to get it right, put some straight on the name. Synergy Apples of Boxville, period. Go see Leah. Um, got them fire happy apples. Um, but it's real, it's real live bullet holes in the next box, right? Like this, is, this shit is like, it's a joke, but it's also serious because it's like, to them, it's a joke, right? To them, it's like numbers. And it's, let me sign off on this. To us, it's like, wow, like this is our Actually, real life every day. I tell Lori Life was people on the public safety team, like, how are y'all on the public safety team? You don't live in the communities that need the most safety. What's going on? You are not nowhere to be found because you're in the nicest house on the end of the block, right? But there are literal things going on every single day outside our crib right now that we can organize outside for that is Peace Book related, right? Peace Book is always going to be here, but it's just like now we need the push for people to understand young people have to lead it. Young people are the only people. I'm passing it off. Lisa's passing it off. Like it gotta be younger than us because 12, 13 year olds are playing with guns because why? Mental health crisis pop. Like we, we know, but it's also, you know that it ties back into the police because none of this would happen if we didn't feel like we were being chased every day, right? We didn't feel like we were being hunted every day. Yeah, and it's really just, and like last statement so that we we're not like talking too long, really it's just about like removing just like money and like statistics and just like thinking about like the human lives that like we're like actively working for. So like removing like the yes, money and yes, this and that, but also like the size of the work with Peacebook, like we do like workshops at 51st and like come people in who like may not have the access to get on Zoom meetings like this. And we tell them this information, like having conversations like this, but then talking to the people who are actually in the communities, like, hey, do you know that like there's a $1.8 billion budget for CPD and your school just got closed last year and just like really putting it back into perspective for people who like don't have this information. So like removing like the money and like the statistics of it and like really talking to the people that we're trying to like invest and love on. And, and also, yeah, uh, one last thing because <laughs> Alicia didn't need a pipe up, but also I forgot to mention that to put us all there, like there are literal people who I've I've been in the situations, right? And been privileged enough, privileged enough, right? We let's talk about it, privileged enough to have access, to have education, to have a car to go places, to have knowledge of the streets, right? That's all privilege. I've seen where it could be with that thousand yard stare, with that damn, like I'm here, but I'm not here. And I've seen the, the light come back with, with folks who we were working with because they believe in it and they see Damn, I am a leader, right? You you call 
kids a leader, they're going to internalize that. You call kids stupid, they're going to internalize. Like, it's very simple. And Lori Lightfoot, when you, when you use your language, when you use your linguistic way of anti-blackness, if we're never, we're not falling for it. We have our stories. We know our kids and they're grown ass people with their kids too, because we're all kids and it's all love, period. We like to have people create the imagination that they were taken away from that they couldn't have because of lack of resources. So that's also like the work with Peacebook and GKMC. Well, shut up now. No, I should, I, should, yeah. I just want to affirm, you know, I, I live around the corner from Boxville. Uh, a few years ago, I, I did some arts teaching at Burke Elementary right, right down the street. Um, and so I know some of the young people that y'all are organizing. Um, and so it, it makes me so proud when I see, you know, some of the kids that were displaced the most from the classroom, right? Like as an arts teacher that came in where their behavior made it that they were not allowed to have arts classes. I see them running around with good kids, Mad City shirts. I see them out canvassing. I see them showing up. I see them coming to vigils. Um, and so it just warms my heart every time because I actually love those kids and they, they're in my community. Um, and so I tell y'all the names. Y'all probably know some of them, but it was like the wildest shorties. I see y'all organizing uh, and wild in the best way. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and and it, it's so important because I hear the solutions coming from the folks that are experiencing the violence that the police are funded to respond to in the first place. And that's how I think we make these notions of defunding and this transformation and these ordinance that our older people are supporting us with much more tangible. So thank y'all good kids, Mad City. Y'all stay on. We're we gonna come back at the end a little bit. Next, we have uh, one of the super homies, uh, uh, an amazing organizer uh, with Black Lives Matter Chicago and Stop South Sides Together organizing for power, uh, a, a cousin, mama, turn up partner in the movement space. Uh, everybody make some noise and welcome Amika, Big Treats, and Daji. Burr, 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 burr. Hit this unmute button. <laughs> hey there, sister. How you feeling? What's up? How you feeling? I'm so much better to be seeing your sparkling face. Um, and your sparkling robe as well. <laughs> in this house. You're out here. You are out here. Um, so yeah, I just wanna, I just wanna reground us, right? Because we're about to talk next after you specifically about an ordinance. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how like union and labor power move. And we're going to get like into some more of that like technical politics after you. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to ground in terms of, of movement. Um, we have now been in this fight for this specific demand around the budget since June, right? Um, and why is it important um, even though we don't have the air quote political capital um, to, to do what we want right now. Why is this fight important and pushing against the budget and the way in which police investment is happening in our city as we are working towards these larger abolitionist principles? Yeah, Kennedy and I worked pretty closely last year um, on the budget, uh, working to to defund the police. And that in turn led me to doing like um just political education on it, uh, mostly in Woodlawn. And, uh, you know, folks don't know. The budget is like unwieldy and like intentionally wonky. You know what I mean? Uh, you ask Chicagoans, what do you want? What do you want to prioritize, right? Um, housing and education uh, are going to come up. And then in some ways, those are separate like so CPS is a separate budget, you know, housing, Chicago Housing Authority, separate budget, right? Um, so it's it's made this like intentionally wonky process. Um, so we kind of don't figure it out, right? And folks are just like, well, that's really too complicated. It's not for me. I'm out of it. Um, but this reflects our priorities uh, for ourselves, for our people. 
Um, and some of the ways like that I want folks to really understand how this um, hits home is like me, some of my friends, Damon is one of them, you know, were beaten in Hyde Park by the police. We paid for that. I legit paid to have my friends, you know, concussed, brutally beaten, um, you know, as well as myself, my daughter and my niece. Um, and, and, and some of the ways that we're, we're paying for that is a, it's a pandemic now. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm like, as I'm passing, I'm seeing like people's cars booted, you know, like we're not even, we're back to tier three at this moment and cars are still, you know what I'm saying? Being booted when I don't know how many people, you know what I'm saying? Have, have lost their jobs. The entire restaurant industry right now is in question. So there's gotta be a lot of people, right? So the city is still prioritizing getting money from people who couldn't pay their tickets, you know, um, but not like taking away from uh, uh, officers who are, you know, beating the hell out of people, right? Um, my heart is leaning into, um, you know, the the young rappers that have been killed in a in a in a recent uh, spurt. I feel like I go to 63rd and King Drive. I should see tons of like. Peace book workers, you know what I'm saying? I should see tons of like community investment, social workers, right? Talking to people about grief and loss and helping them through that, right? Um, not police, you know, who are gonna come in um, uh, after the fact, locking folks up, brutalizing, you know? Um, BLM Chicago, amongst some other organizations, uh, worked on getting a consent decree, uh, which means that. Basically, we had to sue the federal government to get Chicago to follow its own laws and stop brutalizing its citizens because they couldn't even behave with the Department of Justice in the car with them. Right. Um, so this consent decree is not being honored. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's not being followed. And this is what we spend the majority of our money to. Right. So this is over four million dollars a day. The numbers will never be transparent. We're not quite clear on how much is paid out, you know, in uh is settlements and we're paying for this, not relief for, you know, uh, 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 people's parking tickets and boots, not um, uh, in the some point in the height of this um, shelter in place in my neighborhood, um, there was a, a, a mass shooting of a funeral. The police were right there. This is also what we're paying for, right? So there clearly had to be something going on. You know, people are just like, what do you feel like doing today? Let's shoot up a funeral. Um, there was something going on where intervention could have helped, where counselors could have helped. There was a mental health clinic I fought against, you know, closing um, in Auburn Gresham, blocks from where that shooting had, you know, that could have done more to help than the officers who, who sat there doing nothing, right? And then also, um, like not protecting the children, not, you know what I'm saying? Like even just come with me. Um, and this is what we're, we're, we're paying and prioritizing, you know, just for brutality, not, not uh, help. I myself had to respond to a like domestic violence situation in my building. Um, and after I just go outside, just stressed from it all, just walking, um, police come up like, where's your mask? You can't be outside without your mask. So I'm like, well, you got one for, you know, no, we don't have a mask. <laughs> like, so what you finna do if, you know what I'm saying? Like I got crazy stuff going on in my crib. I just had to come out to take a breather, you know? And the first interaction is police harassing me that I'm paying for. 
Um, and I just don't want to, you know, people talk a lot about like, well, what about, you know, y'all don't ever Black Lives Matter. You never protest when um, Black people kill Black people. Because I didn't at least pay for that. I'm going to start with the stuff that I pay for, you know, um, and try to get a, a return on that. So, you know, we need to like vote no on this budget. We've done an amazing thing in like uh, we're set to have a, a historic precedence for no votes um, coming up. We are a city that defers to the to the will of the mayor, whatever the mayor is wanting, whatever the mayor decides. That's the way our city council votes. That's what happens. This is the first time that, that we'll have probably as many people, as, as many older folks voting no um, as we've ever had. So we're shaking things up. We got some of our own in city council, you know, um, we're we're excited to get some more uh, uh, soon. So lots of things are possible. We just need the people now to get on board. Tell your alderman, because that's what they're saying. I talked to mine. I'm 17th Ward. Shout out Arben Gresham, um, Sarah. Uh, so uh, we're they're like, you need to get the rest of the people on board. You know, we got older people calling, saying, lock them all up. We need more police. Um, so we need our folks to realize this is not what we should be paying for until your Ottoman vote no. It's just like that. Vote no. So, so thank you. So you, you, you gave so many rich points, right? Because one, there is just a harm. There is a brutality that police offer and provide. Uh, but secondly, you know, talking to this need, I think one of the things about our campaign that's not being understood uh, the best is that we are advocating for the largest relief package for the South and West side than anyone else. And the answer is no, and then we're not gonna do anything. So if folks are uncomfortable with the language of defund the police because they get these cartoonish, you know, images of chaos that we've been programmed to believe, we've been programmed to be dependent upon the police. Um, even if you have that, just understand that we as a campaign, and this is for folks who support, you can start using this language as well. If you do 75% of 1.8 billion, that's $1.3 billion a year that we are demanding be reinvested into the South and West side. That's even not enough, right? It probably needs to be like five to $10 billion a year. Other institutions need to call, need to step up. But just in terms of what we're saying is that there is an, an, a, a scarcity, a lack, and that the police not only don't solve that, uh, they actually compound it and make it worse. And what we're saying is let's use those resources to have intervention, to have folks present, um, to organize our community, to respond um, and to make healthier dynamics. And as of right now, we're saying $1.3 billion every year for the South and West side will be a good start. And our mayor says no, and I'm not doing shit. <laughs> uh, uh, and so uh, we're gonna transition, but Big Tree, you brought up something really great is that the, the shooting you mentioned, Auburn Gresham, uh, happened a, uh, in a few block radius away from a mental health facility that was closed. Um, and so for years now, the movement has been fighting as half of our mental health facilities were closed down under the Emanuel administration um, to name mental health one as a need, two as something that is scarce, but three also as a solution to violence, both as prevention and response. Uh, and so with that, I want to transition. We have Alderwoman Rosana Rodriguez with us. And I'm just so excited. These are just all of my favorite people on this conversation. I'm so in love with everybody we're talking to. So I want to walk into the stage. Uh, 33rd Ward Alderwoman Rosana Rodriguez, um, who drafted up the Treatment Not Trauma Ordinance that would divert resources away from police into another emergency response process uh, that would bring mental health workers uh, uh 
to spaces. So it's a really important ordinance because it is formalizing a lot of work that's been happening for years. The folks who have been most impacted by these closings have literally slept outside, have literally chained themselves to buildings, have been advocating for years. And now we are seeing this being discussed in a, in a formal way in the halls of power. Um, so I wanna welcome Rosanna to the stage, this virtual stage. Uh, you're just glowing over there in that perfect lighting. Uh, and I would love to get um, one, what in, inspired or pushed you um, to draft the ordinance and draft it as you did. Um, and now, because it's so common sense I, in the uh, IGTV that me and uh, Kennedy did last week, I, I renamed it from the Treatment on Trauma Ordinance to the Common Sense Ordinance. <laughs> uh, because it's so common sense, um, it has become like the sticking point in this fight as we are, are pushing for a no vote on this anti-Black pro-police budget um, because it is so important. So I'd just love to hear a little bit of how we got here, what you're seeing right now, and what we need to do move forward to make this more of a reality. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you all. I, I The first thing I want to say is that I am so grateful for movement right now. I am so grateful for each one of you and for all the organizations that have been pushing for this because without the people in the ground, we can do this in there. And uh, right now, what we have is definitely not enough at least for me, to give a, a yes vote to this budget. But we do have to recognize that because of the amount of noise and the amount of organizing that has been done behind this work, the mayor moved her stance of absolutely not non-law enforcement to, okay, I'm going to put that language in here. And I know that doesn't seem like much, and it's not in order for us to be able to vote yes in this budget, particularly, you know, from my stance, but I, but I do believe that we move them, uh, we force them to move. We force them to move in that particular stance. And that is important to recognize. Um, the Treatment No Trauma uh, Council Order um, was baptized, uh, that name by movement. It was uh, the Crisis Response and Care uh, Model for Chicago. So the reason why I drafted that, uh, that council order was because at the national level, what we are seeing, right, is that this is possible. There is no law enforcement crisis response in a lot of different places. And we started looking at them at the Oregon model, uh, the, the CAHOOTS model in Eugene and Springfield, and they have been doing this for 31 years with you know very little backup uh very, very little instances uh where they needed to to do backup uh work with the police so last year uh i it was my first budget i didn't really know how budget went down and uh, the thing that I did understand very well about the budget was the mental health aspect of it and the investments that we were not making. And the mayor came out with the narrative that they were going to invest all of this money, like $9 million on mental health. But when we looked at how the money was going to be used, it was actually nothing for the mental health clinics, right? Um, but when you would talk to the Department of Health, they would tell you, we want the clinics to be successful. We want to increase capacity. We are not using the clinics because they are underutilized. And we need to build that capacity and we need to bring people in. 
If you go to the website for the Chicago Public Health Department and you look for the clinics, all you can find is a page that has some phone numbers. There is no description of services. There is no, there's nothing that promotes um, the use of the mental health clinics. So what I thought was, what if we since the, the CAHOOTS model operates out of a mental health community, mental health clinics that is a nonprofit, well, we already have this infrastructure in the city of Chicago. We have mental health clinics that are public, and we have been talking about how we they are underutilized and we want to build capacity. Well, you know what we do? We attach mobile uh, crisis units to each of those clinics, and we provide the services from there. It is absolutely doable. It is actually a perfect model to take care of our people in our communities. And then we expand them, right? So we decided that we were going to introduce the council order in September so that there was something very specific uh, at the legislative level that we could talk about. And it worked. It was really important that we did that because then we had something in there that we could name, right? That had uh, that, that there was a map for us to get there. Um, so when we got into budget talks, uh, I, of course, have been iced out of every conversation. <laughs> um, I, I, there is not a lot of communication between the administration um, and me. Uh, I did when I introduced the, the council order, I did let the mayor know that I introduced it. I tried to communicate with them about what were the possibilities. There hasn't really been um, a lot of communication, uh, but it gained a lot of support among my colleagues because it is the common sense council order, because it definitely everybody now understands. And because of the noise that movement made, and the case that movement made and the argument that movement made in order for this to be a reality, a lot of people in city council moved on it. They were like, oh, yeah, this is important. We have to we have to make sure that we uh, push for this. Um, so for budget purposes, we ended up introducing an amendment uh, that would create a pilot with five million dollars. And we and we did that five point two five million dollars for a pilot exclusively for non-law enforcement. And we didn't make that number up. We have been looking at every model that is being used around the country. And just in order to do a planning phase for one of these models, you need at least like two point seven five million dollars. If you want to do it well and if you want to uh if, if you want to make sure uh, that you get the right data and that you um get the right model um so obviously when the mayor offered uh, a one million dollar uh budget for two different models um that was not very encouraging right and and i i want to say that one of the ways in which uh, legislation works or doesn't work is when you put language uh, on official documents like the budget, but you you don't really make anything specific, right? So right now, the only thing that we have is we are going to do a non-law enforcement model alongside a correspondent model, and we are going to put one million. I think there is a commitment to add another million to that, but it is not in writing yet. Um, and there is no there is no language of accountability for the city in this. There is no we're going to you know monitor and do reporting and we're going to have these people working on it. There's none of that. 
Uh, so we are going to have to fight for this. We're going to have to continue to fight for this um, for 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 the coming future. But I feel so encouraged right now. I feel so hopeful that we are going to be able to get this done. Um, there are not a lot of us inside of city council, but there is enough of us to make noise and to um, make sure that we are pushing for, for the things that are important for our communities and our movement, right? And um, we're also learning how to do this work. And it's, you know, the transition from being people that came from movement to, okay, now we have to operate in this space that is incredibly hostile to people like us, that where our voices are not very welcome, you know, in, in those spaces. Um, but this particular issue has demonstrated that if you come in with movement, they're going to have to listen to you. They're going to have to listen to you. They don't have any other option, Right. Now we need to figure out how to organize ourselves better so that we can push harder. We do need more people in here, um, but with the people that we do have, I think that we can push harder to get this done. Your optimism makes me optimistic. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your work and for your courage, particularly you know in your your. This, you're, you're a rookie, you're a freshman. Uh, so in your first run, uh, the ways in which you are advocating uh, for the people in the spaces that put you in, in that seat is a, even if like everything doesn't go our way in these next three weeks, right? Um, this is an important historical precedent in terms of how this space needs to operate and what intervention can look like in these formalized ways. So thank you so much. Uh, st stay right there. We're going to come back with a little close. But we got one more person with us. Uh, so I I'm thinking about how this conversation is going, right? It's like I started with my movement siblings, my, my, my brothers and sisters and non-binary siblings. Uh, and then we moved to one of our, our city council cousins, right? That, that's out here doing the work with the family. And now we got to go pull out the big guns. We got to go talk to Auntie Stacy. Uh, <laughs> Up next, uh, we have one of the, the most phenomenal fighters for, for righteousness and justice in our city and country, uh, an amazing educator and mother uh, and Black woman from the South Side of Chicago, but she has also been in leadership with the mighty, mighty, mighty CTU. Um, so she's also a, a, an amazing force in terms of the socialist progressive labor space, because uh, we got to talk about that a little bit right now as we are learning uh, our political landscape. So everybody, welcome to the virtual stage, the one and only SDG, Miss Stacey Davis-Gaze. What's up, you all? Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate this. I, I especially appreciate um, hearing the voices of Black youth um, who are um, intentionally engaged in their own liberation and challenging um, our power structures to see them, to hear them, and to um, invest in their potential. Um, since I was a young person, the critique of young people was always that we were disconnected, that we were not um, involved, and that we were uh, unaccountable. And that's not what we have here in Chicago. Um, what has been demonstrated over time in Chicago is that young black people have, 
have put their bodies on the line to see a different type of Chicago that prioritizes them. And I just want us to like sit with that for a moment and to actually appreciate what that says about their patriotism and the love that they have for a city that doesn't love them back similarly. That's, that's, that's revolutionary. Mm, mm. Um, that is love in action. And we cannot, because as an educator, I keep hearing this discussion about learning loss and that our students who are not in school right now, because I thought we were trying to save lives, that they are losing something by not being inside of a building. And what I am experiencing from the young people that live in my home, but also the young people that I am seeing out here organizing, activating, taking care of people, um, challenging the power structure, that's not learning loss. Mm. In fact, I would say that they have exponentially clarified um, with their value in teaching us something. So I, I just have to like remark on that because we, we, we need to sit with that. Um, but you can't put that on a standardized test mm. and a testing company can't make money from that. And then the school district and the policies that they put forth through our mayor can't close down schools based on that metric. You understand what I'm saying? So um, in the middle of a pandemic, we are faced with black families and brown families whose agency is not being prioritized. It's not just with this particular budget, it's across the board. We hear all the time that parents want their kids in schools, but yet black and brown parents have said very clearly that the institutions, they don't trust them, that they don't have the confidence that they'll keep them safe. So we don't pass. And we saw that demonstrated in New York. Um, but I digress. We are talking about a budget. <laughs> nah, you came right in. That's why we called you in here. We had to bring out the big guns. Um, um, thank you for that offering. Um, so one of the things you just said um, actually makes me want to highlight one of the points of this campaign of how we got to this place. Um, because in addition to, you know, just being a place of civic engagement and having uh, a petition that folks can sign. And if you're watching, go sign it right now, bit.ly backslash demand defund CPD shy. Uh, and we have over 10,000 folks who've already signed on to that. But more than anything, this campaign has been a campaign of popular education and mutual aid. Um, so thus far, we have had trainings and education for folk up to 2000 people, multi-generations from, from youth to elders. Um, and we've fed hundreds if not thousands of people uh, with mutual aid work. And just hearing the way you just named this like political moment as a space of education, I think is really important for folks to understand. And I think even this, this budget fight, right? Like it's, we want to win, we want no votes, we want to defund CPD right now. We want treatment, not trauma. We want to close home and square. But more than anything, we want to transform our people. And so for folks to see the ways in which bureaucracy works, the ways in which our republic, as I call it, or as it is actually, is anti-democratic in real time, because I can make these big Frederick Douglass statements, right? But like seeing in real time, 30,000 people said this, your elected official says, I will never do what you said you want. Um, 
And I want to come to you on your perspective of this, uh, because you have been in the trenches, you have been at the table, uh, and then you. But you're also with the people and with the community. Um, and so I want to see what you're seeing, because what what I feel is that I feel the mayor is trying to pit labor against movement. Um, and so as CTU kind of lives in both of those spaces, I would love to hear your perspective and how we need to be understanding that. Um, and then lastly. I think CTU's fight is so important because we see when the mayor has a political will, whether it's Emmanuel or Lightfoot, there's ways that they can do things and get stuff done. Uh, but there are these bureaucratic FOP contracts and all of these excuses they have to saying what community is demanding is not possible. Uh, but what it, I think is showing is a lack of political will. So the question for you is uh, one in terms of the, this this relationship between labor and movement and how we can really lean into solidarity. Um, and then lastly, the ways in which negotiation can teach us about political will. So I'll use this word vision <clears throat> to kind of like dig into both of your questions. Um, and what I would say about vision is that um, I'm a part of a caucus um, core um, that took over our union some years ago. But what we said very clearly um, because the founding members, most of us had dealt with having our school shut down, um, just closed and being blamed for that, is that we were going to um, see union as a part of the community. And it's not easy. No coalition effort ever is easy. You know, that's mythology. But how can you live in the community because teachers are educators, people who work for CPS are supposed to live in the community. How can you work in the community? How can you live in the community? How can you have neighbors in the community that you're connected with and see your work and your struggle as separate and um, apart from them? Like, I don't, I don't think that you can live um, that live in that duality as a healthy person. So we decided that in a school district that is overwhelmingly black and brown, where we have, you know, 80% of or more of our students um, qualifying for free and reduced lunch, that whatever we advocate for to make it better has to reflect um, opposition to poverty, white supremacy, and, and racism. Um, and that everything has to be grounded in this common good approach to bargaining. Because even if I get a dope raise benefits, that solves some of the issues that I'm challenged with on the South side. But then there was still a young man shot not a block away from my home a couple of days ago, right? So yes, I have shelter. Um, yes, I have food in my refrigerator. And damn, can I drive down the street with my kids in the car and feel safe, right? So you have to see yourself in the 360 of the community that you exist in. That's number one. I think in number two, um, false choices are often erected about how we can move and how we can labor, right? Especially when labor is female and we need schools to send our children to, right? Especially when labor is, you know, generally headed by um, single mothers who are black and brown in Chicago. So how can you separate what's necessary for me as a worker from what's necessary for me as a mother, as a daughter, as an aunt, right, as a citizen in this neighborhood? 
It's about connecting the dots and understanding that our voice and our need is not just within labor, that it is across the board. And so we are committed to moving in that way. And we just reject the fact that it has to be one or the other. It's often not one of the, or the other, right? It's, 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 it's usually all of that and then some. Like we, we are in a state of complexity. We're not in a state of simple. All of this is complex. So tell me how, so because we have a lot of facts on the record in this moment. Fact one, over 700 homicides in, in the city of Chicago. Like that is an all time high, right? Number two, 82 plus percent of black Chicagoans said you can tax rich people, while 71% of Chicagoans said it. And then you're also dealing with Black Lives Matter in Chicago having an approval rating of over 70%, right? So that means you don't have to balance the budget on the backs of working people. You can actually get rich people to pay more because the people have told you to do that, right? So that's eliminating that false choice. Number two, I can actually hear the movement because I'm not alone in thinking that Black Lives Matter. In fact, over 70% of Chicagoans believe this. So you get to remove all these barriers and all this noise because people have actually told us how they feel about all of it. So I don't have to pit, right, the, 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 the continued investment in policing and the defunding of public education. And that's not... A theoretical, this particular budget robbed the Chicago public schools of $60 million for the second year in a row to go to the city. I'll say that again. The school budget was robbed two years in a row of $60 plus million, leaving our budget going to the city. So this whole concept that you have to pick is false and that they always pick to close our schools because there are three school closures um, on the docket in North Lawndale right now. So you're going to tell me that North Lawndale deserves more policing and less education. That is the statement of this budget is that you have deprioritized public education in North Lawndale and then prioritize more policing. And what I would say is that that is the conversation that we have to have on doors with Black people, right? And we have to say that. Last thing, with respect to vision, our mayor and her allies routinely put forth polling where she is polling from 80 to 70 to 60%, like very high numbers, right? And when you have high numbers like that, you have the ability to express the politics that you said that you wanted to express, right? I ain't asked her, she told me. She said that she believed in the sanctity of Black life, that they should have resources, that our communities should look better than what they do. So she has a high approval rating, a high favorability. So push it through, right? You build equity to use it. You don't build equity to look at it. You don't build equity to maintain um, policies of austerity. You don't build equity to pit movement against labor. You build equity to build a Chicago 
that gives priority to the many, to the least of these, to those who have had policies hoisted upon them that has made North Lawndale damn near a barren land. You have blocks and blocks of vacancy in North Lawndale. And here's the rub. In a minute, we are all about to go through this process called a remap. And in the process of a remap, as city policy has deprioritized the lives of Black people, the uh, impact of that will be now in the marginalization of Black representation in this city. So we think it's a, a trip now, wait to when there's only maybe 16 Black wards, majority Black wards, right? Wait till we have less Black representation going to Springfield, right? So this is, this is a 911. Whether people want to acknowledge it for what it is, it is a 911. And I am happy to say that most Black adults will be later to this party. The movement that we've seen led by Black organizers and Black leaders um, intensely in the summer, in the spring and in the summer, we're going to have to join y'all. We're going to have to see the effectiveness of pushing against it. And then I'll close with this. It is disappointing to see Black people in positions of authority and power who don't remember that, historically speaking, asking for a seat at the table or a seat at the front of the bus was unheard of that we come from this long line, hell, freedom and liberation was unheard of for centuries in this country with respect to us. So when you hear young people saying defund the police, don't tacitly sigh or dismiss it or close your ears. Remember what it sounded like to say that I wanna sit at the front of the bus. Remember what it sounded like when people said that they wanted to sip from the water. Remit our water fountain. Remember what it sounded like when people said, I want to go and vote. <laughs> Remember those things because the vision is there and it's about equity. It's about justice. It's about a real safety um, um, infrastructure for all of us. And we, we cannot, I'm a history teacher. So I'm, I, I'm triggered to use your word again. I am triggered by how Black people who got seats at the table, positions of leadership, seats on the board of directors here, a job here, a face on television there because of the struggle in the street can't see their way to supporting the struggle in the street. The only reason why representation happens on corporate boards, in labor, on television, on People Magazine, on any of these places in this moment is because the people struggled in the street to bring it up. Vogue magazine went checking for us and Black Lives Matter until it became a thing. And now you got two consecutive covers of Black women on Vogue. All of these things are connected. So we can move popular culture, but the actual policies within government are in neutral and Black people in charge don't sound like they wanna be in charge. Mm. Thank you. 
Mm-mm-mm. Thank you. You done told it. You done told it. See, we needed the educator to come with the facts. We got some numbers. Y'all gonna do your homework. We got an assignment from that because because that was some, some knowledge right there. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Auntie Stacy. Um, no, but with all seriousness, um, I think one of the things you uplifted important was I think that that siphoning or like you're saying that robbery of the CPS budget that is happening kind of in plain sight while there is this defense of CPD. Um, and our movement has always been an advocate, an advocacy of education um, and naming that education um, should be the priority and is one of the solutions. Uh, so I also wanna to uplift to the point of young people leading. Um, all summer, there was amazing work connected to this, to this defund campaign and this defund moment around cops out of CPS. And similarly, that wasn't like, the final formal victory, but the work that was done, the education that happened, the small fights in different LSCs for different schools that was led by teenagers uh, was really phenomenal. And that claim is there are millions of dollars outside as 260s that she just named. So that's 120, $60 million being taken away. Outside of that, within CPS budget, some of that money is going to police officers as well. Um, and so demanding that those resources go back to the students, go back to the educators so that we can have a healthy space. So with that, folks, who are watching on Facebook, we got a few minutes for questions. We got a couple I'm about to throw to some folks, uh, but send a few in. We got one already I'm about to throw. I feel like Kennedy and maybe Alderwoman Rosanna can maybe start this off and maybe we get one or two more before we hop out of here. Uh, but, but one, thank you everybody for your initial comments. I think this has been such a rich space already and let's get, get it going with a few questions. So I got one, I got some folks in the 25th and 26th ward. Um, and they, they want to know just basically how can we help? Um, uh, the 25th ward, they say they have a supportive alderman and the 26th ward, they said that their alderman would support if other alders took lead. Um, can you help us push our alderman is the question. Uh, so either Kennedy or maybe let's go Kennedy first, uh, from the organizing side. And then as a, a member of city council, we can go to, to you, uh, Rosanna, what advice do we want to offer? And if anybody else has any suggestions as well, it's, it's for everybody, but what advice do we have for folks who want to one, um, stay in uh, the side of the alderman that's passively or actively supporting, uh, and two, to help push alders onto our side, what do we have for folks in community? Sure. Uh, so like I mentioned, the, the budget vote is going to take place on Monday. Um, between now and Monday, you know, folks are where they are. But, you know, something that I want to like call to mind is our campaign's demand was to defund the police by 75%. Uh, that's not something that's even feasible right now, given things that are contractually obligated. And I bring that up to say that we recognize that this is like a prolonged struggle and it, and it isn't rooted just in this budget season. This is for years to come and we've committed to that fight. And so while there may not be much that can be done between now and Monday, um, this this struggle to defund the police is one that we're going to continue on in, in budget seasons to come. And so I think that there is a, a good amount of deep organizing and engagement that we can be having with our um, elected officials, um, even outside of budget season, you know. So uh, you're in the 26th ward, that's Maldonado. Um, that means like after Monday, depending on how he votes, he needs to hear from you, you know, like he hear, needs to hear like you voted X way and that is either in favor or against movement and um, make sure that he knows that we are watching. Um, and, and if he he votes against this pro cop anti black budget, 
then let him know that he has your support. Um, also, you know, we we put forth a good amount of progressive revenue measures that were all killed by the mayor's allies. Um, and those are things that we can continue to fight for outside of budget season. And so, um, again, uh, between now and Monday, you may not be able to flip his vote, but tell him, like, I want you to co-sponsor an Amazon tax. I want you to co-sponsor um, the, the treatment, not trauma ordinance. I want you to co-sponsor the sunsetting of tips early because we need to fund our communities, not just during budget season, but always. Um, and so, yeah, my advice would be, don't think that this um, organizing of your elected officials can only take place during budget season. It's a year round struggle. Um, and with that, you know, I, I would pass it to uh, Rosanna. Yeah, I agree with um, uh, what Kennedy just said. I think your alderman needs to hear from you. Um, we're also hearing from people that are telling us that we should vote yes, right? <laughs> There's a whole uh, website that was put out <laughs> to let us know that there are people that want us to vote yes on the budget. So I think everybody is getting pressure right now and the role of movement is to exercise pressure and make sure that your alderman is uh, listening uh, and paying attention. And again, just like Kennedy said, it's not just about this moment particularly. Yes, it is that we want to push, but we also want to push beyond this, right? And to pass things like the Peace Book Ordinance, for example, and to create a huge framework that allows us to be very specific about how we are going to defund the police. What are we going to use all of that money that we're trying to take away from punishment and incarceration um, from CPD, how are we going to use that, right? And we're going to be working. That is our issue. That is what we're going to be doing um, in a big part in 2021 uh, with movement, alongside movement, um, and, and following the lead of movement, of course. Um, so yeah, just make sure that your alderman hears from you. It's, it's going to be really important now, and it's going to be really important next year. Yeah, a few things to add on top of that. Uh, so one, right, like this is a movement about organizing people. Uh, and actually our belief is it's way more important to transform the many and transform uh, those who we are advocating for um, than it is to transform those in power that are in, in our opposition, right? Like that's a longer fight. So a lot of those folks are long gone. Uh, we That doesn't mean leave them alone or, or, or cede the space. Uh, but I say that to say one of the things you can ask your alderman to do uh, or your city council member, because it's a gendered term, uh, is um, to help get access to the war, right? Like what we are trying to do is organize our people. So if you, as somebody who is advocating for this defund CPD campaign, if you as somebody who's been to a training or is a part of organization, you are a part of a movement to organize this city. Uh, and so the, 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 the has like, has like amazing access uh, to the ward and there may be ways in which we, we can um, organized through the Ottoman's office. Rosanna, you have something you want to add to that? Yeah, can I say something else? I think another thing that we need to be telling aldermen and making sure that they hear it is that one of the ways in which we are not able to participate in democratic discussion inside of city council has to do with the power that the mayor has um, over city council. That doesn't have to be that way. Actually, city council should be its own legislative body and make its own decisions independent from the mayor.
but that power has been ceded to the mayor. So the mayor appoints the chairs and the chairs decide if we discuss things or not. So if we were to, if we, if we would have, for example, introduced the peace book ordinance um, at, at this point, just like they did with my amendment, they will send it to rules. And out of the rules committee, you can get that out of there until 60 days have passed. So even if you invoke something like rule 41 that discharges an item, you can do that because because you because enough time hasn't passed, right? So one thing that I think that we need to be discussing more in movement and telling our aldermen is that we need to reclaim that power back. And we need to make sure that we're discussing things in committee so that public can come and listen and, and listen to the merits of policy and then push to pass those policies. Otherwise, we're not hearing from it in the official space where we are supposed to be legislating, where we are supposed to be building these democratic discussions. So I think that we need to talk more about what how we reform city council in order for it to become a place for the people to be able to have their items and their bills that they create heard and discuss. Um, so make sure that you also push your aldermen to be more bold about taking back power uh, for our wards and for our communities. That is really significant, right? Like the word radical, just a little, little vocab, right? The way that we use it, at least in movement spaces, because it's been co-opted. But my understanding of the word is to get to the root, which means to name the structure, which means to talk about the whole thing. Uh, so as we're talking about city council and like these little processes in between, what Otto and Rosanna just uplifted is the way that the structure is designed is itself anti-democratic. So even if we got the bomb shit ever that we are proposing, the way that the power structure is organized right now, there is always a way for them to impede or be an obstacle or to oppose us with more effect. So that's something to look for in the long bend of ways we can transform our city. Uh, one thing I wanna add to that question before uh, we move to another point um, is, I don't have my wards memorized in terms of what 25 and 26 is for that specific question, but it is to a point in terms of the ways in which um, Lori is using segregation. You have which ones those are? Can yeah, that's Alderman uh, Byron Sixto Lopez and uh, Alderman uh, Roberto Maldonado. 25 and 26. Shout out, shout out Byron. Uh, I should say Comrade Byron though, not all <laughs> Byron, yeah. Right, right, shout out Comrade Byron. Um, uh, but one of the things that, that you know, obviously has been publicized, but I think we need to really look at is the ways in which our mayor is using racial segregation and basically, you know, old school, like, you know, hotel, like art of war, <laughs> divide and conquer <laughs> tactics of uh, pitting the Latinx caucus against the Black caucus, uh, pitting Northside, mostly white demographics against uh, against the Black caucus. Uh, so one of the things that Stacy named that I want to speak towards and then form as a question, and we'll probably be closing in the next 20 minutes, of uh, to Good Kids and to, to, to Amika, um, is in addition to using uh, immigration policy as a way to undercut this Black-led movement. Um, one of the things that, she, that has been said or floated um, is that there's a lot of support on the North side, right? Like there, there's just like this weird truth of white folks don't believe in pro progressive politics more, but white people do have more access to progressive organizing, right? Um, and more privilege in the space. Uh, and so what there has been a large percentage of white people who have been supporting our movement. Uh, and so in a perverse way, 
<laughs> white support now is like not a good thing uh, or something that we dismiss or validate in a way that's really anti-democratic. Um, and so one thing that's been said is that it is inappropriate for a white alderman to vote for this if the black caucus is not locking step with it. So one, I want to say that's an anti-democratic thing. Uh, your aldermen should be accountable to you, not what the mayor says they should be accountable to. So if you and your ward are saying we want a, a change in these city services, you being white or you being on the north side does not remove your responsibility. So that is a lie. That is conservatism. That is 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 city machine politics, and that is anti-democracy at work. And if your alderman says my ward wants this, but I can't vote for it till some other alderman says it, then say they are. You know, I mean, you can say it however you. You want, but that is not an acceptable answer. That is not the way politics works. That's not the way representation is supposed to work. And secondly, to Stacy's point, and then I want to form this to a question. There is a class divide. There is a generational divide within the Black community, and that is a part of anti-Black oppression. There is a political trauma uh, um, that that exists, uh, and some of that looks like like conservative, like continuation of power, right? So there is, there's always been a conservative embedded black leadership class as black people have been in air quote leadership um, that have always been submitting to the will of power. And that comes from a place of injury. So I have a little bit of sympathy uh, for black folks that are, are, are used to the norm, uh, are just trying to make sure that things are going. And it is our work to continue to move with them. Uh, but also the black caucus is not a monolith. There are black caucus members that are on our side, uh, but also that is our work. Um, and in the long term, right, th there has been a way in which the mayor has used that power that we just talked about in ways specifically to control black politics in the city. And that's one of the things that we are trying to uproot and break. So it's twofold. Don't let white people use that as an excuse. Organize your aldermen. Secondly, this is historical and we are working through it and we are organizing our people and we are working to transform our people. And we're working to get those folks who, who look like us but ain't with us you know, out of the way in the long term. So I just want to offer that to a question of organizing uh, for, for good kids and Amika from the, the BLM and STOP standpoint. Uh, over this year, I think some of this is even overplayed. What have you seen in terms of making more um, progress and connecting to maybe more conservative folks in our community, maybe older folks, maybe folks who are uncomfortable, right? Like that is the work of this campaign is to make sure that people have the language to understand their interests, have the language to understand how, how our city is organized. Uh, and so we're doing a lot of work to also change that dynamic. Uh, I don't know if either one of y'all want to go first. I'm going to throw it to, to, to good kids in terms of some of this generational divide, youth leadership, and getting folks to understand that it is in the interest of Black communities to divert resources away from policing into social services. Yeah, if, I mean, did anybody else want to take it before? I just want to make sure everybody's speaking. Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, okay, so um, one thing I will say, so damn, that's a great point you bring up, and I want to bring us uh, to Du Bois, right? So if you've read Du Bois, or we will all read Du Bois at some point, because he wrote this shit a long time ago. Um, said the black worker, right? What's the first thing you do? You gender the worker. You gender the black worker. That's how capitalism works. So then you think about voting and politicians and all of this stuff. Where When black people couldn't even make money legally by the capitalistic system in Chicago, coming from Kansas, coming from everywhere. When you got to be an older person, that was, that was a big thing. That is still a big thing, right? But understand too, the Italian people, the German people, the Jewish people who congregated here, who formed the police union, who formed the Irish athletic clubs, and therefore the Harrison Jets and the Vice, like all of these different entities of white, you know, oppression to pressure black people in 
uh, caucus work, especially like this Latinx caucus too, it just seems as though there's still white Latinx people. So it's like, it's this identity politics, but it's still um, like purveying our like consciousness of like, do we believe people? Do Should I trust you because I have faith in you? And I, like you said, I have sympathy for you because I know it's like, you probably not on that, but it's like, what are you doing though? But then at the same time, I, ju I was just on a, a, a call with uh, Pat Dow. Um, and at first, you know, there's elitism and there's ageism that exists there and we had to break that down, but actually she was ready to work. So this like, there's a lot of people who are, like you said, very much so waiting on somebody else to jump. I will uplift Rosana Rodriguez every motherfucking day because she was the first one for real who was like, no, y'all got it. If I had time, I would do it, but it's just like, damn. And I believe that because I see her on this call with us right now and you don't see too many other aldermen on this call with us right now. So you know, it's a real deal. You know, she's really out here and it's not even just to uplift her, it's everybody, but these these people they get in the position because i'm sure it started like i could do something great for my community uh, uh, the other from the side they just be like yeah i get five million dollars because you know that's what it really is but you know i do something for my community i serve people people like me I, I, you know and then you get there and you meet them with lori life for public safety and then when you're talking about black and brown lives it's turned into criminals and thugs and then you confused in the meeting and then now it's bills and you know amendments that's being passed and you don't even know because the whole time you were trying to do something good, but you never had a moral backbone. You never had something to come in with and say, I'm sticking to this shit. Nobody's sticking to this shit. Like Rosanna Rodriguez, like Matt Mark, like there are certain people who are sticking to it, but honestly though, it has to be everybody like you said. Why is 26 votes this, it's like this unfathomable thing for us to get. They tell me, y'all know y'all need 26 votes. I promise you it's like clockwork. They say the same shit. Please get some new shit. We're like, I'm not, we're not, we're not just because we're young doesn't mean we're unintelligent doesn't mean we don't read the budget. I read the budget and requoted her because she didn't know the own budget. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a lot of stuff that's going on, but it's also like love. And it's also, like you said, it's also respecting the fact that we, we, we're going to keep fighting regardless. It wasn't going to be like, damn, this budget didn't drop. Okay. Well, um, y'all want to go be artists? Now? Like, no, we got to keep on going and keep on doing what we're doing, but also like, these people need to get on point and they need to organize themselves. White people, y'all are the majority of people in these photographs at Defund CPD, taking up all this space, taking up all this energy that we're literally getting traumatized. And it's like real shit. Cause like we got our ass beat in the summer and it was white allies right there who didn't come to jail support. Like it's shit like that, that all adds up. That all is because you don't want to defund CPD because you don't want to see black people free. That's all it is. And Alicia, you, you got something for me. No, I'm, I feel like you just took it off. I'd be a little impressed. You know? <laughs> I love Steve. I get that. Amika or, or Kennedy, did either one of y'all want to chime in? I definitely did. Um, I think that that we forget um, often, like like the history uh, uh, of folks being black. So, like, yes, if you are organizing and canvassing in a black ward, in a black neighborhood, you can get a lot of folks that are very uh, pro-police. These people feel like they pulled themselves up. In addition, um, the, the creation of black middle class was state employees, right? And so like, you know, there's that uh, uh, being a police officer is a good government job. That's what my family called. Um, so, you know, there's this push, right? Also this like terror of um, your people, your name, you know, getting out of line and like tainting, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole batch, right? But this requires conversation. So this is the bringing in for a movement thing, you know, a criticism I have is that like, 
you know, now we we sort of believe that being radical, the most radical is shooting your mouth off. You know what I'm saying? The most radical is like F12, you know, or whatever. The most radical is if you can organize your grandmama and all her friends, in my estimation. Um, and so for me, the importance of like intergenerational work, you know, um, in High Park, when we got uh, uh, beat on by the police, the elders of STOP, were like, uh, they, they were not about defund. All of a sudden they was like, wait, my baby, they beat on my baby. <laughs> okay, no more money for y'all, right? Um, which is really, really critical, right? Um, and I worked on Jeanette's campaign. And so like these senior buildings are so critical in, in Black Wars to, to, to aldermanic, um, uh, to aldermanic races. And so trying to connect like, when you talk to the alderman's office, trying to figure out how to connect to those, right? Like, and they don't really zoom, so you got to do some kind of, you know, process in the pandemic. But you got to reach out to them, right? And you have to explain, like, I get why it was this way, but it shouldn't be this way no more. We can have um, a better vision, and I, I fully believe. Um, Veronica Morris Moore said this: is young black people, young queer, young femme, black people, you know, that's going to free us. Um, but we got to have our elders there um, as a part of it. And so that's the most radical we need to do is to talk to them. And also, like, you know, I hear the the, the thing, if it's not a Black caucus war saying this, if it's white folks, it doesn't count. But we got to lean into, like, literal abolition of slavery. And, you know, it's like I recommend everybody lean into to those readings. And there were certainly, like, Black people that was like, well, now I'm free. Rest of them could get it how they live. You know what I'm saying? And it was white folks putting their life on the line. Like, nah, I'm still, you know, uh, you know, if I get, you know, um, yeah, it's 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 deeper than 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 that. And it's it's also, you know, like whoever is about like this is morally wrong. White, black, whatever you are, right? Like you just gotta get to a point where it's like, I don't wanna pay people to beat on and exterminate black folks. It's that simple. Ashe, Kennedy, I see you want to jump in? No? Uh, I mean, I feel like anything I would have said has been said, but um, I do just wanna like lift up the fact that like you said, Damon, I think there is a certain sympathy that comes with recognizing that under capitalism, black folks in power, there is like a level of like risk aversion, like folks are afraid to take risk. And namely because, you know, we, we've spent so long, our legacy is so like intimately tied with not having and, and being stripped of that once we get into positions of power, we're like, we can't lift our people up because, you know, that, that may come at the expense of where I've gotten to. But then there are also like the Stacey Davis Gates of the world and the Jeanette Taylors of the world that leads me to believe that that shit is an excuse because they have come into positions of power and haven't forgotten us. Um, and so when I hear, you know, people's trepidation around criticizing the Black caucus because they're Black, you know what I'm saying? It's the old adage, like all skin folk ain't your kin folk, like period. Um, and I, so I, I do think that it, it's very important that we keep our, you know, I don't want to say foot on the necks of, but like keep, keep applying the pressure, you know what I'm saying, to to our, our black leaders and also not calling them black leaders if they're not <laughs> leaders. You feel me like um, 
And so while I think that our liberation will be led by it, it will be be black, queer and femme led. I don't think that every black, queer and femme person is going to bring our liberation. Shout out Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think that we give uh, a lot of credit where it isn't due. And I think that uh, we just have to have to remain keen on recognizing who is with us and who isn't. And regardless of the identities that they hold, uh, continue to uh, apply the pressure because, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Our liberation is going to come from us. It's going to come from the working class and the working poor. And, and, it, and it's going to come from community and solidarity. And if folks aren't ready to get down with that, then, you know, if you can't get right, get left type shit, you know? So yeah, that's that's what I would leave us with. Yeah, powerful, powerful. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say one quick thing that, that that made me think of, but just to get folks to prepare, we're gonna go in reverse order with like a final statement of a minute or two. So we're gonna start with Stacy, then go to the older woman, uh, and then we'll have Big Tree, then Good Kid, and we'll come back to you, Kid. Um, and so to that point, right? So one, there is like the uh, the power divide that is largely rooted in class of you know what I think a big part of one city government. But I think also this black air quote leadership class for now, at least a generation on my estimate has been a depoliticized space, right? So it's been about maintaining the bureaucracy. It's been about staying in line, right? It hasn't been, you know, during the daily administration or during the early parts of the Rahm administration about fighting for these moral principled uh, political issues. It has been about, I'm gonna make sure I get all the garbage cans in line and I'm gonna do what the mayor says and I'm gonna cut these deals, right? Like. It's been about making sure that, that, that people have the right, that the right people, air quote, get the checks that they're trying to cut off using the city government money, right? Uh, and so now we're in a place that is transforming that. We're in a place that is demanding things based off principled struggle, based off organizing, based off real politics, not just making sure that we got streetlights on. And so in that, I think we're seeing a little bit of transformation. Uh, but then also there is a trauma, I think, that that folks have because there is real violence in our community. I think that's the thing that folks don't, receive from our campaign is that that's where we're starting from. And I think that's why good kids is so important is that we're not saying get rid of the police and then do nothing. We're saying the police are not a solution and that we want a multitude of solutions and we need at least that much money to start building solutions that work because this shit ain't working first and foremost. Uh, and so I want to have, well, I say sympathy, but not empathy for, for folks who may not have access to political work or organizing who are just seeing the crisis of violence and have been taught their whole life that there's only one institution that's allowed to solve it. And so when they hear us say, get rid of the police, they're saying they're hearing no solutions as opposed to saying we are wanting all of the solutions. Uh, so that's just one little point about some of the the the, the contradiction or the tension in between with, with, with black leadership. Um, so I want as everybody to, as they say their final point to also shout out um, we got a question if there's any ways we can support some of this work, particularly some of the grassroots work. Um, so good kids, we got like a PayPal, BLM and stop. Uh, we can throw in Let Us Breathe in there as well. And then obviously, um, if you sign on to the demands, you can get into the information channel uh, of the defund CPD campaign. And from there, you can figure out how to support, how to help mobilize resources, how to help fundraise, uh, or how to help canvas, mutual aid, train, all the things that we're doing. Uh, so we'll give that information in the chat. But I'm going to pass it down. We're going to start with Stacey uh, with like one to two minutes of coming out of this conversation. What are you feeling and what do you want folks to come away with? I am always hopeful when I see um, a group of organizers taking, um, taking leadership. 
um, committed to working in coalition and expanding um, their 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 footprint, if you will. Um, this budget, this moment is significant because the movement has made a decision to engage in where the money goes, hold up a critique for it, and then emphasize the impact of continuing to neglect public education and continuing to neglect mental health services and continuing to neglect um, just basic infrastructure and black spaces, right? The fact that there is vacancy for blocks in the 24th Ward or, you know, in, in, in different wards of Inglewood. Like, being very clear that there is movement is multifaceted, right? And that accountability comes in many different forms. And so seeing young Black uh, organizers activating this moment gives me a lot of hope, right? that we can actually begin to realize a Chicago that emphasizes um, positive investment for the many, because Black folks do get investment, but it's in a penalty phase. And we deserve investment from the very beginning. And Amika, I just want to shout out this whole concept of multi-generational organizing. Yo, we have to talk to our grandmothers and our mothers. If Black women can literally, and I'm going to be quiet, but if Black women can literally save this republic from a madman occupying the White House, then we can actually get our neighborhoods to reflect investment that makes sense. There is no way in the world that Black people, Black people and in particular Black women, can lead the charge to secure this republic but have to live in neighborhoods where their children are ducking down in the bathtub. It don't make sense. Thank you so much. Auto woman. Um, I am hopeful and grateful right now. I'm exhausted, <laughs> but I am so hopeful and so grateful uh, for the work that movement is doing. We are fighting for our lives here and we're not gonna stop. We are in a historical moment, a moment where we are saying from government institutions, defund the police, fund black lives. This is the moment where we are in right now. And, and we're going to continue saying that and we're going to continue fighting with that and we are going to continue reclaiming the structures, the institutions that have historically only served white people. We are going to reclaim them. We're going to get in there and we are going to win. Um, and I am so grateful and excited that I get to do that with all of you. I need you so much. Please don't leave me. <laughs> Please, movement, do not leave me. Hold me accountable. I am here for you. Thank you. I say we appreciate that. And one thing to look out for uh, in the next year or so, they may actually be able to redraw districts. And that's something we need to, to have pressure on because I fear that they may be able to redraw the ward districts to try to push some of our people out. So that's something we want as we are supporting our folks that are in there. Thank you so much, Ottawa and Rosanna. Uh, Big Tree, Amika Tendaji, what, what, what you closing off with? Um, I just want to say we are in such a moment of possibility. The ancestors are here. They are watching. They they have cleared out uh, so much. Um, I have had friend, Latinx friends who have been organizing forever and have always like mentioned every now and again the levels of like anti-blackness in those communities. Right. And when that showed up 
in this uh, uh, pandemic, like my friends immediately like organizing and finding the space and the energy and the words to have conversations they haven't been able to have for years, you know, um, has been amazing, right? Um, the whole world saying um, defund. My family has always been um, uh, like, I don't really know what she does. She's the busiest broke nigga I've ever seen is, is just how they leave it. Um, but now they're like, I'm proud of the work you're doing. This work is important. You know what I mean? The, the, we are able to have uh, conversations that we haven't been able, you know, to have and to see ourselves as a together. It, like Stacy is saying, you can't get, um, uh, you know, rich enough, wealthy enough. Right. Jordan Evans, uh, Trayvon Martin's family, like they, they had gotten to the to the to the good neighborhood. Right. Still lost their sons to that that level of anti-blackness. Right. Um, uh, Rakia Boyd and 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 Betty Jones were also still, you know, killed by by CPD and not not the folks we would typically think of, right? Brianna Taylor, and so we just have to get uh, to the point where there is no level of acceptable casualties of Black folks that I'm willing to pay for. Y'all got to figure out how not to kill us, or brutalize, or you get none of my money. And if I'm gonna pay, you know, like. It's, it's some young black folks I wouldn't want to be around late at night. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I would rather pay them <laughs> if I'm going to get shot anyway <laughs> than the police, you know? <laughs> you crazy. But hey, that's redistribution. Somebody grab you know what I'm We could play. We could pay old black If you, have, if you have to pay, <laughs> those were the options. You know what I'm saying? I, I would rather, but, you know? You 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 you're off the chain. All right, we're gonna pass it to the best kids, uh, even though they're not kids. Everybody, <laughs> Jalen, Alicia from Good Kids, Bad City. What y'all got in closing? Um, I would just say, just like um, really prioritizing community building within the movement. I think a lot of the times, like when we're having like as important as these conversations are, like we're talking to each other because like we know the information, and I just think that like within me doing like work of like like the workshops I've been doing, like the workshops that we've been doing. All on Patreon, so subscribe to that motherfucker. <laughs> if you didn't, go subscribe to that motherfucker. It's like $5, $10, $15, $25. Go subscribe to that shit. If you're white, pay extra. Fuck what you talking about. Um, and so within just doing the workshops, just understanding like for the people who like don't have the access to this, still teaching everybody else because like it's very hard for us to all be on the same foot on the same page if we don't have the information, if people don't know the budget, people don't know the money that they aren't getting, people don't have like the words or the language to even like understand conversations like this. So I really think just like community building and then loving on the people that we're working for and working with and like fighting for. So like if you, if we're talking about South and West Sides, if that's taking like a day, obviously like COVID makes things harder now, but like if that means like taking a day to like surveying the community or like if we're doing stuff like outside, like stopping by people, asking them if you had half of this amount of money, what would you do for like servicing your community? And like the answers that you'll get from people is like shit that you can even like think of yourself. And it's just like getting like resources. So really just like emphasizing the importance of community building and loving on each other within organizing. Cause I think sometimes, and like rightfully so, we can get lost in like language and like money talk and this and everything. Yes. But it's like, if we get the money, but then like we realize we spend so much time 
and like not spending enough time with like the balance of talking to the people that we're still actively fighting for. Now there's like this disconnect. Now it's like, okay, well we have this money, but nobody knows who we are. And so it still might be like on a very like invader spectrum. It's like, okay, we have this money, but now the people that we are fighting for don't know who we are. So now it's like, we could be just as bad to them or they don't know who we are. So there, there has to be just like trust and community building within this work too. You wanna- yeah, I, yeah. Because period, and shout out to the ancestors because there's not many spaces in Chicago where you get to see all type of Black Chicagoans from Afro Latinx to all like it don't matter because this is the thing. Like we all say, Black struggle is a global struggle. The peace book is when Black kids get to be free. We are watching Black kids, 15, 13, 14, explore gender identity with by themselves. Ain't no, you need to do this. Ain't none of that. It's we're letting them get space, letting kids get space to be so that they have space to own and not own like I own it over you. I own it for me because we all own everything together. The earth is our abundant, is our abundant cornucopia. Why we live in the scarcity identity or this mentality because they hoard the shit. There's 15 motherfucking Whole Foods in Lakeview and there's one Pete's out West. This is the only thing that bring people out West to come get some groceries. Like there's nothing else. Peace book is we're gonna, I literally ask people on the peace book right now, right? Imagine having somebody look at a vacant lot and say, I see my gym right there. Right. You mean your gym where boys don't get bullied and you know, people don't say the B word, like then they, yeah, like this is the peace book. The peace book is really breaking it down through the defund, through the abolition, through the womanism, through the making sure it's youth led. And I'll say that again, we're, because even us, we have to realize we're passing it off too. We are passing it off right now because it's writing itself. The ancestors wrote it so that we would all be here today and that we would all realize that it was all meant to be in general. This budget was not going to drop without us being here. It's not going to drop. It's not. The city's not going to let it. Period. Thank y'all. Much love. And I think we're dropping down um, some, some Venmos and some PayPal's. Um, in the chat on Facebook as well. So definitely support Good Kids Mad City as well as Black Lives Matter. Uh, Kennedy, what you got to close us out with? Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I feel very exhausted, both physically, uh, mentally, and emotionally. Um, and, and losing never gets easier, I don't think. Uh, but something that's like abundantly clear for me is like, what sustains me is like y'all and like the the community that we've built um and the love that's like brought to that space like that shit is like powerful you know and i i just want to express my gratitude and appreciation for each and every one of you like both on this zoom call and the folks watching um and and my brother uh anthony driver reminded me the other day that you know, God is on the side of the oppressed. And while our fight may be a hard one and a long one, uh, I do believe that we will win. And you know, I, I think that we have to stay rooted in that fact uh, and, and allow that to 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 guide our steps. Um, so yeah, I just wanna lift up all of y'all and like share my appreciation, gratitude, love. And uh, I look forward to continuing this protracted struggle. Like uh, Big Tree has been being naughty in the chat this whole time while y'all been seeing people uh, laughing. Like she said, you, you look so graceful and amazing in your exhaustion. You, you come off with such a presence. The ball is so smooth right now. It's like, you, man, you, you're waking me up with it. Um, so, yeah. Um, so as, as we're closing out, uh, I think one thing to say is we, we are going into a weird holiday week. Uh, so if you want to call it 
genocide day or Thanksgiving day, whatever, it is an important part of American culture. And we also in this pandemic, so folks are gonna be zooming or folks gonna be breaking the rules and risking other people's lives and having Thanksgiving feasts anyway. Uh, and in that space, know that this is a time to start having that conversation with your closest community, which is your family. Uh, and to Good Kid's point, uh, to the point of speaking to our elders from the Let Us Breathe experience, you know the way I got so good about talking about this stuff? Like I got some theory and some, took some sociology classes, but they don't teach you about abolition in school. The way I was able to figure this out and make this make sense was by asking people questions and saying what, what we're doing and what we believe. Um, so I know a lot of folks struggle with confidence of like, I am not the abolitionist yet. I am quoting no Du Bois, so I don't know what to say. Uh, and you don't need to read Du Bois to be on the, the right side of history, but read Du Bois. <laughs> but but, but you, you in your space where you are now, um, you can start to at least ask your family questions. Uh, and so use this week, whether it's Zoom or whether it's at the table uh, to begin to, to strengthen this, to make sure we're intergenerational. Um, and I'll just close with this. You know, we are the defund CPD campaign. We are demanding uh, these very specific things in the short time, specifically the closing of the home and square facility, uh, specifically this treatment, not trauma ordinance. We are in support of the Amazon tax. We are in support of sunsetting TIFs, which is really, to Stacey's point, just another way in which the city directly steals from education. Uh, uh, we, we are for all those things. But more than anything, this campaign, its DNA uh, is led by abolition. And we have said that word a few times today. And I want folks to, to understand that this is your legacy, um, that, that this is something to be proud of, that this is something righteous. This is not something to be afraid of. Don't let the news's propaganda mislead you against your own interests and against your own inheritance. Uh, the 13th Amendment says every time CPD does its job successfully, and then state's attorney and 26 in California help and do their job successfully, and someone is charged for a felony for harm or not harm or anything, they are legally subjected to slavery. That is what we are living with. The Chicago Police Department from 2010 to 2015 killed more people than any police department in America. And this is the time when the Black Lives Matter movement emerged. So as the crisis was coming to the forefront, Chicago Police Department was the most murderous. We have the worst history of torture uh, and are just ineffective. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what your like day to day experience is. I don't know how many times I see police officers double parked in the middle of the street, running red lights for the fun of it not helping when you ask, not giving out masks. Uh, and we pay $1.8 billion, 40% uh, of our budget. Um, and that is, more, we have more police per capita in Chicago than any other city in America. And, and you so can't even get a mask up out of them. Just don't <laughs> can't, can't, you can't, can't even get a mask for your 1.8. <laughs> um, and so Chicago has more police per capita than any other major city in America. And so, so often, Anywhere in the country where people are talking about defund, the violence in our community in the South and West Side, in the apolitical sense, gets used as this conservative backpoint of nothing you say about police is valid. Black people need to be incarcerated. Look at the South and West Side of Chicago. And what I offer is this is actually the most policed area in the country. So if policing worked, Chicago would be the safest place in the country. So I think the violence that we experience in Chicago proves more than anything that this is an ineffective, outdated, violent, white supremacist, homophobic, patriarchal system that is going to continue to the destruction of our environment. Uh, and so we've been spilling the tea about what's been going on and trying to get folks connected. Uh, but please, please sign on to the demands. You can plug into the defund CPD campaign, but there are toolkits that we have. Uh, right now we have a, it'll be in the, the links. Uh, there is a, a, a social media toolkit because we can't do direct action with COVID. So how you can virtually amplify this message. Um, there's also an action uh, 
virtual action on the 23rd, which is Monday, which is when the budget will be passed on. So uh, a, a no uh, a no pass action is going to be happening. Um, and also, if folks are comfortable putting their emails and PayPal's here in addition to Zoom, please send. Uh, yeah, so I think we're going to get those PayPal's over into the Facebook link. Uh, but please, please join us in this work. This is a multi-generational effort. We are doing this for our ancestors and we are doing this for future generations that have not yet to come. And this is the way that we make a less violent and more healthy society. Uh, so we appreciate y'all spending your time on your Saturday with us eternal gratitude to these brilliant courageous people uh that sacrifice so much for folks go ahead alicia uh we just we totally forgot to mention there's a, a petition to sign with the peace book and we, i'm gonna i'm gonna pay for that later but <laughs> y'all the peace book petition is important that was the message i thought i carried the message but i didn't that was so the message is sign the peaceful petition if you can we know petitions don't really do shit but hey sign that <laughs> just do it are important. Sign. you can find it on our um our twitter and ig so thank y'all yeah. so much so thank you, good kids, Mad City. Thank you, Alicia and, and Jalen. I'm gonna hit y'all up. We got We got so much connecting and building to do. Kennedy, we love you and honor you and, and are amazed by your brilliance. Big Tree, you the shit. Thank you for everything that you offer. Alderman Rosana Rodriguez, your courageous efforts in the city council have been so important um, and are gonna make changes that we won't even be able to see uh, for years to come. And Stacey Davis Gates, you are always an amazing presence. The way that you articulate these issues are so important and so helpful. We always need an educator uh, and a bridge between generations uh, to help help us in this leadership and in this guidance. Um, and doesn't an educator's voice sound so much better than a prosecutor's voice? I don't know. That's just me. But I, I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep. But I just know it was sounding good. Uh, and we gonna get up on out of here, y'all. Defund CPD. Hit up your alderman. Say no to this budget. But more importantly. Organize your people. We are doing this for the liberation, the love of life, and the love of Black people. Ashe, much love to the people. Check us out.